Hello, all my guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome to the first official episode of Red Harvest, a Deadlands Noir actual play podcast. I will be your lovely marshal for this game, Mikey. You can find me on all of the social medias, specifically Twitters, TikToks, and Instagrams at Pop Culture Geek. But also follow us at the DD Vibe Tribe Productions. We have official social media now, aren't we professional? <laughs> but what is the DD Vibe Tribe Productions? Well, it is a plethora of actual play podcasts and other pop culture related podcasts there's a little bit something for everyone you want your noir stuff you got this game do you like wrestling we got one for that do you just want to see samurai try to survive ancient feudal fictional japan we got that too but go ahead and check us out on all the socials and stay up to date with all that goodness to make sure when new episodes drop and what we got going on for tonight's premiere episode i cannot do this game without the help of my lovely wild cards as the game likes to call the players in this. Then we're going to go around real quick, introduce themselves to you listening audience, plug any socials and projects they got going on, as well as giving a little description of their character and the kind of concept they came up with. So to begin this evening's festivities, we are going to start with Tanner. Hello, everybody. Uh, most of my friends know me as Tanner, but I also go by the name Grisquatch over on TikTok and on Twitch. Um, you can you probably know me from Wally's Wondrous and Not So Wondrous items over on TikTok, and you probably know me as Aaron Lawn from Secrets of All Terran on the twitch.tv slash uh, the cantrip cast show over on Twitch. We air at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time on Fridays, and it's a fantastic show. I'd love to see you in chat. And tonight I'll be playing Hank Skinner, the uh, Louisiana boy detective. Oh, I love it. Alrighty, so next person up on my list is going to be you, Jace. Hi, I'm Jake, or Jace. Uh, I go by JC Vanguard on TikTok. Uh, I don't really have much projects now because I got a lot of work right now. So uh, my projects for TikTok and thoughts and plans are going to have pushback. But other than that, I'm uh, playing Miles Devereaux, a uh, street magician. So this will be We'd love to see it. And then of course, next player up is going to be Josh. How's it going everybody? Uh, I'm Josh, aka MG Preacher on TikTok. And also now, um, you can look me up on Instagram at MG Preacher Mark 2. And uh, I haven't got much on there yet, but things are going to come about. And tonight, I will be playing four Former Sergeant Christopher Reming, a uh, Louisiana private eye. Oh man, I cannot wait for these concepts to come to life. It's going to be so good. We have one more player who will be joining us later tonight. Uh, Kiltman42. You can find him on the TikToks at Kiltman42. And I will keep his character a surprise to allow him to introduce the awesome character concept that he has come up with. But with introductions out of the way, let us get started with the story proper. New Orleans, 19th 
1935. Whoever called this the Big Easy sure got that one wrong. Things are tough all over. Honest work is hard to find, and even dishonest jobs are getting scarce. The one thing that's not in short supply is trouble. From shady thugs to crooked cops to mafia soldiers, there's plenty of characters out there looking to give an honest Joe a hard time. And that's not the worst of it. There are stories going around about things that go bump in the night. Things you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley on a darker night. And those stories aren't just coming from the rummies or the saps who read the epitaph rag. Still, there are a few heroes left in the concrete jungle. Steely-dyed private dicks, fast-talking grifters, wild-eyed adventors, and shadowy hongans still struggle against the encroaching darkness. Of course, with enough moxie, more than a little luck, they might just be enough to turn the tide. We begin our story proper as the camera, as I like to use in my games, takes a nice shot over the city of New Orleans as it takes in the scenery and as we get a little nice screenshot of the light and craziness that the Big Easy offers. We begin with the camera panning over to a quaint little office. <laughs> nothing too fancy, nothing too out there. As the camera pushes into this brick stone apartment, it kind of makes its way up the flight of stairs where it stops at a familiar door, well, at least to those who ask for his help. As the camera slowly pans up, we see that this is the PI office of one <laughs> Chris Revington. So as the camera gently pushes through the door in, uh, Chris, go ahead and give us a little description of what your character looks like for the audience, please. Well, first, he's still rather young chap, only about 30 plus years old, about 34, 35. Um, first thing you can notice about him is he tries to keep a professional look, but you can see that he's just tired. Whether it be from, uh, trying to find a missing person or just staying up too late trying to keep his papers in orders, he is just tired because young Mr. Remington is also a war veteran from the Great War. Uh, he served upon the, uh, the USS Huntington and due to some unforeseen incidents, certain nights keeps him up. At, uh, he, he's rather tall chap. He stands about six foot tall, foot one maybe. Uh, he's got a bit of scruff going on, but he still maintains a professional look. Um, you can tell he, you can tell he's a Marine because he has that famous globe and anchor on his forearm and he never goes anywhere without two things. His trusty 45 that he keeps under his arm and a lighter given to one of his friends from the Huntington that has the Navy logo. He's, he sits in his office, clearly just tired, but still willing to get day done. He's he's not what you expect from your stereotypical private eye who you expect a bad old guy with bad attitude. He said he's a rather charming looking tall young man with somewhat of a bad attitude. Alrighty, so... Just kidding about the bad attitude. He's actually pretty decent <laughs> chap. Alrighty, so Chris, as you're sitting at your desk mulling over the files of multiple small-time cases, pets going missing, somebody stepping out on someone, your mode of silence is suddenly disrupted with the opening of your door. As you slowly look up to see who is standing in your entryway, it is one of your more recent clients. She is a very petite woman with a caramel collection dressed in what seems to be a nice red dress, though the final types understand that this was from last season's collection with a nice fur kind of coat going on very brown with linings of black all in it. She slowly walks into your office, sits in front of your chair, and Chris, you know this to be the one who hired you for one of your uh, stepping out cases. This is one Thalia Spinner and she just sits there. She looks at you, Chris, and she says, please tell me you found out more about my husband. Much as of yet, ma'am, but I, I, I think I have some uh, promising leads. I should be able to hear something about him soon. <sighs> it is troublesome indeed. So, I just need to know, does it look like he's stepping out on me? Does it? <laughs> 
<laughs> that is completely up to you. How do you want to roll with this? Ma'am, I, I, I don't know what to tell you at the moment, but this early end of the case, it's still all rather scared. Like I said, I've got, got some leads, and I am working. I promise you will hear from me soon. You know, you know me. You know my reputation. I always get my job done. She kind of gives you a more look of playfulness in her eyes, and she kind of gives you a smirk. I would hope so, especially since I'm paying you the big bucks for this one. Well, would you rather pay the big bucks for somebody who can get the job done, or pay the big bucks to some schmuck who might just take your money and leave? <laughs> and saying this, I just kind of, I just kind of give like playful, almost like half salute, kind of like tipping your hat, but without my hat on. She leans in a little bit closer to the desk, elbows on it, chin resting on it, just looks you solemnly in the eye, Chris. I hope so, because if there's one thing that I hate is big, huge disappointment, and you wouldn't want to disappoint me, now would you, Chris? Of course, I never she, she backs away from your desk, kind of recomposes that stoic demeanor that she had going in. Oh, looks like all I can do is wait. However, as she reaches into her small little purse, she pulls out an invitation on a nice kind of cardstock thing. Oh, what do we have here? Forgive me if I'm a little impatient, but I like these results to be quick is the best way to put it. My husband's going to some sort of ball. Not really my thing, but he's the socialite between the two and I'm a let him under the impression that he can go having a good time. But since he is going to be there, I'll give you a bonus if you can go and attend this ball and see what you can come up. I do like the sound of a bonus. If he's there, I'll find Oh, him. I have no worries or qualms that he's gonna be there. I just kind of take that card and I just kind of look at it. Okay. I'll find him. I hope you do. Well now, I have other appointments that I need to take care of today, but you have a good day, Mr. Remington, and I will eagerly be waiting for those results. I'll have him have those results to you. Will you even know? You have a wonderful day. <laughs> it's a pleasure doing business with you. And she jauntily walks out of your office, closing the door <laughs> behind her. And at last, the silhouette passes through the door with her heels quick clacking down the hallway until they get further and further away, thus finally dispersing the bit of noise. So you are left in your office. <laughs> As you take a look at the invitation, you have cordially been invited to one of the hottest parties, at least in this part of the town anyways, to a one Madame Delphine. Madame Delphine is one of these old crooner types. She ha comes from all this old money and she loves to throw lavish parties. Of course, given like any socialite circle, she has her skeletons in her closet, but it seems you have found your way into one of the most exclusive social events of the summer. <laughs> As I'm looking at the car, I just kind of think to myself, this is going to get interesting. I hope my old suit still fits. And upon mentioning that, the camera slowly pans out of the office as you get up from your desk to see if your suit still fits at this point. And it travels a little further down through the bustling alleyways and the streets, trying not to come into contact with the passerbys on the sidewalk, the trolley cars down the street, and the few automobiles that the few privileged are able to drive. And the camera takes a brief stop in front of the old Absinthe House Blues, one of the more prominent bars in New Orleans. The camera cuts through the door where we find a bartender or a bootlegger. Depends on who you're asking. So, Kilt, my man, would you go ahead, introduce yourself, and then d tell us who your character is and give us a bit of a description. I am, yeah, that's all I got at. Uh, uh my character, get goblet. Can I play on goblet? I made it work. Oh, boy. And then give us a little description of what he looks like. Uh, oh, bye, little skin. Oh, um, uh, drinks and legged uh, uh, objects. Uh, anyway, moving on. Alrighty. So, Gary, you're setting up. You're kind of just taking an inventory, cleaning the glasses, the usual works that you tend to do on this fine, lovely afternoon. When the front door opens up and coming through the door is 
someone that you weren't necessarily expecting, not only at this point of the day, but just in general at all, given their occupation. Tanner, would you please give us a description of your character as you walk through this door? Detective Hank Skinner of the Nolans. <coughs> it's the polio, I swear. Look, damn. Get on the lawn! <coughs> oh, that was a bad time to start coughing. I am so sorry. <coughs> Woo. All right, let's start that from the top. Detective Hank Skinner of the uh, New Orleans Detective Agency, uh, Police Department. He is five foot nine, approximately 190 pounds, keeps his service revolver tucked underneath his arm, and uh, doesn't really much care for... He would he would be wearing what would be a, a, a three-piece suit, except he doesn't really care for the jackets. He just has the shoulder holster just out on display. So obviously this is going to get edited out, but I'm squeen. I love these character descriptions, you guys. <laughs> I love it. I'm sorry. I'm fangirling. All right, back to Short the haircut, game oh, Sorry, one more thing. Short haircut on the sides, long up top, and it's just slick back. Alrighty. So, Hank, as you're taking in the very quiet atmosphere of the old absinthe house, you see, well, in some situations, it could be your friend. In others, it could be a pain in your ass. But, however, Gary's uh, in your book right now is completely up to you. Sorry, was you directing that at Kilt or me? You. Oh. Is Gary a pain in your ass at the moment? Or is he your no, best No, friend? no, no. G- Gary and me are getting along just swell right now. Now, Gary, tell me, you still you still serve that good liquor here, right? Now, you know, Skinner, it is for four hours. You're lucky you even got through that door without a bullet next to your head. But I got you. I got you something good. Come have a sit. I appreciate that. Now sit down. Now, Gary, we have an understanding now. As long as your liquor doesn't start making his rounds up on the streets, we're fine. We're in business. Honey, I am not franchising now anytime soon in this town. Other than that, you should be fine. If someone's trying to say they got something from the goblin, they lie. And I'm inclined to believe that. After all, you no one can get their hands on such fine breweries as you. Well, you can thank my cousin. Send them my regards. I will. Gary will be around. Oh, sorry. I'm Gary. We're all twins. Barry, he'll be around later this year. Uh, he should bring the next shit at some time soonish. Is the bouncer upstairs your, uh, your other brother, Terry? No, Terry's no relation to me. We don't, uh, the Terry Goblin that you're thinking of. He's in Florida. Mm. Now, the bouncer, that is Harry. That's Harry the Hobgoblin. At least he like call himself a Hobgoblin. Harry's good people, though. But, you know, he's a little, little dumb. He's a lot faster on his, he's a lot faster with his fist than he is his mind. I understand. Yeah, I don't hire him for his smarts. And that is all right. I understand. Times is hard right about these times. Especially well, out west, things could be a lot worse. Well, I won't discuss out west. It gets Barry in a very big tizzy. Him and Willie are always arguing. You don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? You haven't been listening to the radios, have you? Which radios, hon? I have so much going on right now. Some of the farmers out west had what they're calling a dust bowl just happen. Oh, you're talking about that out west. I yeah. was a little You haven't noticed the process of vegetables going up. Yeah, that is going to be a little difficult, especially for the ladies. Some of them like the Bloody Mary. Uh, I need that celery. That's a fair point. Skinner's gonna uh, pull a cigarette out of his pack and offer one to Gary. No, there's no smoking in my bar. I'm just fucking witches. You're good, you're good. Kind of shakes his head and lights up. Now, Gary, you ever heard anything of any kind of troubling news going on in the French Quarter, have you? The quarter, you say? Well, not for a while. My grandfather used to go down there all the time before he passed, but I haven't heard anything in a long time. Wait, we've been having some <clears throat> issues out of the French Quarter now. It's not the usual pickpockets. It's something, something different. Well, the next time I have anything to I'll make sure you are. I'd appreciate that, Gary. And just so you know, if I was you, I'd probably take Harry with you if you find yourself in the French Quarter after dark. People don't go out 
up there after dark for the beignets. Well, that's because they make beignets during the morning, honey. And besides, I don't go to the border unless I have to go to court. And even then, I got a couple of Harry stays here most. That you do. At this point, as the two of you continue to have your conversation, once again, the front door of the old absinthe house swings open, and both of you are met with, in normal cases, would be a perplexing sight given the fact that this is a child that is here. But you two are very aware of who this is. So standing in front of you, kind of in a more tattered uh, kind of shirt and tire, good old newsboy cap, kind of barely hanging on to his small head. Hat doesn't fit him right. Is a very small boy, uh, Caucasian in complexion, light gingery hair with freckles kind of adorning his face. And both of you know this, I was going to say man, this little boy. <laughs> both of you know this boy as one Jack O'Reilly. Jack to you, Gary, is your errand boy from time to time. However, for you, Hank, Jack is, uh, how do I put this nicely? He doesn't necessarily commit the biggest crimes, but he definitely is a pain in your ass. And you have a love-hate relationship with him. As the two of you take in his sight, um, he walks closer to you at the counter. It says, uh, Mr. Gary, uh, I did what you asked, so you're on for Miss Delphine's ball. So she's gonna require some supplies, and I made sure that you're the only one in town who's able to do it on short notice. Well, good job, little Archie. I am most proud of you. Thank you kindly. He looks at you, uh, <laughs> Hank. Hello, uh, officer. Sit little, <laughs> I'll sit up a little bit straighter in my seat, and it's like, I didn't know they let little shirt tail boys in these bars. It's before <laughs> hours. I'm well within my legal rights to allow a helper in before I start serving the normal folk. We all gotta make money somehow, <laughs> even if it's just a little bit. You telling me? Sometimes he undercuts my profits in a chat much. Mm. <sighs> but you said uh, Madame Delphine's ball is on schedule, and there's no, uh, no one else who could take that spot, eh? Yeah, it seems that you are the only person in town who's able to supply the booze for her event tonight. I mean, that's fair. It's also true, even if it was to Well, do me a favor, run down to the house and tell one of the cousins, get ready. Don't tell Larry. He's lazy. We all know this. Actually, get with... Oh, which one? Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's get with... Jerry? Mary. No, not Jerry. Jerry's in the can right now. Oh. Get with Mary. Get with Mary. Have them both get the carts ready for the ball. Uh, sure thing, uh, Mr. Gary. And oh. if you see Zary, the X, not the S, tell him I need him to come by. Anything else? <laughs> Uh, oh, have Mary and Mary take Larry, but also make sure that uh, Carrie is where I'm from. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a little bit of a joke. Carrie should be on his way back from Carrie. If he's at the warehouse, uh, if he's at the house, make sure he comes, visits, and brings the samples, because he's got some products I need to send to the ball. I will most certainly do that, Mr. Gary, as he's taking the last bit of notes on his little notepad that he has. <sighs> All right then, well, it looks like I have some work ahead of me, so I will get started. Oh, speaking of work, that reminds me. As he reaches into his little haversack that is showing a lot of wear and tear <laughs> on this thing, Jack reaches into his haversack and pulls out a familiar-looking invitation and hands it to you, Hank. By the way, Chief Oxard wanted me to make sure to give this to you. It seems that uh, someone fell ill, so you're gonna have to pull uh, security duty tonight for Mr. 
Delphine's party. Oh, Archie, while you're there at the house, make sure you talk to Harry. He has a new haversack for you. Jack's eyes just light up. You mean it? Yeah, it's not like new, new, but it is patched up and should last you until we get you a brand new one. Go ahead and talk to Harry after you talk to the other guys. Uh, certainly, Mr. Gary. I'll get on it right away. And as quickly as he came in, Jack as quickly makes his way on out of the old absinthe house. <laughs> so as the camera leaves the absinthe house following a good old Jack, once again, he's weaving and bobbing, bobbing and weaving, as you might say, through the crowded streets as he makes his way to complete his tasks that Mr. Gary has given him. The camera stays on Jack as he's running through the streets before he bumps into a familiar looking street magician. So JC, once again, introduce your character to the audience and give us a little bit of description of what he looks like. So, um, my character is Miles Devereaux and you, you see a guy in his uh, early 30s in like a, a dirty but clean suit with a little top, little top hat and you see him shuffling and playing with cards and trying to entertain the folks that want to stop by. Okay, so Miles, for you, this is nothing new. You're used to the hustle and bustle of trying to make a quick buck out here in these streets. Today is just a normal day. Usually the people who are watching with you are mostly consisted of small children and housewives who are out and about on town just kind of uh, doing some shopping, just having some nice lunch with their friends, all kinds of sorts. And as you are doing um, this little magic show, I'm actually going to have you describe what is your trick that you are currently doing? What is the big razzle dazzle for this show? Well, it's a oh, where's your card or who uh, is this your card? But as I'm doing it, I'm flipping the card up and like grabbing it behind my head and flipping the cards up in like a, a grand fl uh, shuffle in, a, in like a uh, rainbow pattern. Just try just trying to do as, as much as I can to gather in as much audience to con them out of all their money as much as I can. Yes, yes. It is a beautiful sight to con little children and women out of housewives, I should say, out of their hard earned money. <laughs> if I can get money, I can get money. <laughs> well, certainly. So as you begin to peek at the crescendo of this card trick, kind of ooing and awing with the crowd and getting them to kind of be sucked into your little world. Easily enough, they are more than willing to shell out a couple of dollars, a couple of coins into your little bucket. But as you survey the crowd, as you finish your little act with a nice little flourish, might I add, there's someone in the crowd that stands out to you as the audience is cheering and kind of giving you that applause. This same figure is also applauding along with the crowd, but his getup is very different than what you're used to. Usually you're used to the kids in their finery and the housewives in their nice dresses or at least what they can afford to. This gentleman that is standing in the crowd that's standing out to you is dressed in a very traditional black tuxedo, very thin round frames of glasses set on his face with a nice little bow tie and a three-piece suit with some nice white gloves adorning both hands as he is clapping in front of you. Does does he have a watch on? Not on his like, wrist. Do you, do you see his pocket? Do, you see, do I see like a pocket watch? So do you see a pocket watch? <laughs> Hmm. Alrighty, so as you are looking him up and down and kind of getting him and kind of trying to read him, he does in fact have a pocket watch in his right vest pocket with the chain attached to his hip. So, um, I take notice to him and I, I, I kind of like walk over and say, like, sir, would you like to be a part of my neck? <laughs> so as you get a closer look, this uh, gentleman is on the more elderly side. He's in his late 50s, early 60s. Typical salt and pepper grayish hair, um, but it is nicely cut and he's very prim and proper. And as 
as you approach him with your offer, he just gives you a big old smile, Miles, and just says, <laughs> I've seen your type before, but sure, I'll play along. All right. Do you happen to have a uh, piece of paper or a pen on you? Most certainly I do. And from his other pocket, just pulls out paper. Okay. So I'm going to grab one of my pens from my, from my coat. And I'm going to say, I want to show you a trick that I can make this pencil. Do what I want. Paper. And I just hold the paper out and stab the paper through the, uh, stab the pencil through the paper. I'm like, see, now it's stuck, right? And I'll just move the piece of paper, like move the pencil through the paper without any damage. Just, and I'll turn the paper, pull it again, and pull it again. Like, that's weird. Here, why don't you hold the pencil? I think there's something wrong with it. It should rip the paper, right? He gingerly takes the pencil and begins eyeing it a little bit before looking back at you, Miles. So I go, oh, I know what it is. And he goes and as he rips the paper, like he rips the paper right off the pencil. And as he does it, he like kind of goes to reach and swap it, pull the uh, pocket watch out at the same time. So you're going to try to pickpocket this man. <laughs> at, the, at the same time, I'm ripping this thing down. Yeah. All righty. How do I want you to do this? All right, Jace, congratulations. You get the first roll of this game. <laughs> so oh here's God, what I, Well, of course, I mean, it definitely fits. So here's what I want you to do. So the cool thing with Deadlands, for those of you who are listening, is that when you make your rolls, you have a set die that is assigned to certain skills. Now, any of my wild cards can make any skill check that they want. However, if they have a die type for that said skill, then they get to roll that dice. However, if you are untrained in a certain skill, you get to roll a d4, but there's going to be a cost to it as well. So in this case, Jace, because you are trying to pickpocket this elderly gentleman, and because this skill accompanies a plethora of things, I want you to roll me, if you are trained in it, a stealth to see how fast your hands can be with this one. And if you don't have the skill, then I'll let you know what you're going to roll. I got a five. Okay, that is six success. So in Deadlands, the magic number for your dice rolls is going to be four. If you get four or more when you roll the dice, then then you succeed. So Miles, as you distract this elderly gentleman with your con, essentially is what it is, you have no problem swiping that pocket watch off him. And he's not impressed with your trick, but he just gives you that slow condescending clap that people do. I didn't finish the trick. Oh, my apologies. Continue. So as I pull the paper and pu pull the watch, I go in and go, see the, and as I reveal the paper, the paper's perfectly undamaged. Wasn't that supposed to be damaged? Oh, well, I think your paper's broken. <laughs> Again, gives you that condescending clap and says, well, well, Mr. Miles, it's true. Seems you are the fastest hands in uh, New Orleans. I don't know what you mean by that, sir. You will do for today. <laughs> and out from his pocket, he pulls out a small little envelope and says, I'm here on behalf of Madame Delphi. She's hosting uh, one of her little summer parties, if you will. And she's looking for some entertainment. Now, I told my lady that she should go with the more of the classics, have a local jazz singer, have a comedian, but she's all into these cons and magic, as he puts it in air quotes, as of late. And you will do for the time being. Madame Delphine is more than willing to pay you handsomely, and I have no problem giving you this cash if you are able to complete two requirements that she has for this party. I don't like this cat, but what are the two requirements? One, you entertain the audience, which, given the people that run in Madame Delphine's circle, isn't that all too hard to impress. That's the easy part. Number two, you keep your five-finger discount away from any of the personal belongings of the guests, and you get to keep those fingers, but make no mistake. You mess up, as from his pocket, he takes out a switchblade. I have no problem cutting those off and making an example out of you. As he pulls out the blade, I want to just take, like, the little ring from the pocket watch that has the chain on it, whatever, and just hang it on the switchblade and go, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> I knew you'd be too 
to a small man, Mr. Miles. Well then, as from he opens up his vest in another pocket, <laughs> he pulls out a small invitation. Party starts at 6 p.m. You are required to show up a little bit earlier. So I can give you a rundown and uh, let you know where you're going to be. Once you complete your duties and you keep your hands to yourself, I will more than happy pay you and let you be on your merry way. As he begins to turn around, ah, by the way, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Conrad and I am Miss Delphine's trusted assistant, butler, whatever you want to call me. Now then, you should probably go get cleaned up. I'll see you in a little bit. As he walks down the street, heading towards the corner before turning and becoming lost in the crowd. This is going to be the weirdest job I've ever been on. Oh, I guess I better go find a new suit. <laughs> Alrighty. And so we fast forward a couple hours and as the afternoon begins to kind of set with the sun beginning to begin its slumber for the night, the street lights of New Orleans begin to dim, brightening it up and definitely having a change in atmosphere. While New Orleans is a bustling city during the day, it sees a lot more action of the special kind during the night. As the street lights go on and most of the nine to fivers are beginning to have dinner and enjoy the company of their families or whatever it is they do in their evenings, the socialites and the rich folks in New Orleans begin to just start their day. The camera hands down to one of those two story houses next to the good old bayou as guests of all different types and creeds walk up the singular path up to Madame Delphine's house. Once again, Madame Delphine is one of these old crooner types. Her family has a history of being a cornerstone in New Orleans, and she always makes sure to tell everybody that she was one of the, she's part of one of the founding families of New Orleans. And while many just listen and politely nod, very, very few of the socialites who dwell in the circle are kind of starting to get fed up with uh, her delve into the past, especially since a lot of these younger types are coming from the newer money. And while on the surface, Madame Delphine is a charitable host, <laughs> For those of you who know her very well, there's always a schemer right down there. And in fact, there's many rumors surrounding about how she got so much money, but no one can ever seem to figure out why. But that is a story for a different time. As the party gets into full swing, we find ourselves guests dancing on the dance floor, being loud and obnoxious, having a ravenous good time. Hank, you're stationed next to Gary's little bar outlet as he is serving the drink to the socialites and you're standing there for security duty. You have been assigned to make sure no one tries to get a five finger discount on the alcohol. Do we happen to see a specific magician? So, you know what? <laughs> Go ahead and make me a notice roll, <laughs> Gary. Remember, if you are skilled in it, you roll that dice. If not, it is an automatic D4 with a little bit of a cost. Oh, you the shiny one. The shiny one. <laughs> Technically, there's but oh, I know it's the first time that I've had Yes. I just bought them. All right, so, uh, be four, not have, hmm. all I have is three, five, and... All right, so roll for it. Four. Okay, so in Deadlands, the way that it works is we work with the exploding dice mechanic. So if you roll the maximum on any of your die, you roll it again and you add the second one to your first one. If you roll another four, you keep going. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> All right, that's a two. Okay, so eight so plus four, two is... Four, two. So four, four, two, that gives you a 10. Now, in Deadlands, if you have, if you are untrained in a skill, that cost when you roll is once you get your final total, you subtract two from it. So, so but even still, all you need in 
Deadlands is a four, so you more than succeed. And in fact, you succeed with a raise, which means that not only do you notice the street magician, but for the future, anytime you guys score four more than your, the original target number, it is a raise, which means you get a little bit of extra detail with it. So in this case, Gary, you notice that our street magician friend, he's uh, kind of by the stage area practicing his uh, set is the nicest way to put it. But you notice that while he is practicing it, his eyes are starting to shift a little bit as he's looking over uh, some of the party guests and the more uh, fine things that they've come into Miss Madame Delphine's ball with. I give out my last current. I slap Skinner in the arm. Hey, Skinner, mind your watch. Here comes Miles Long Fingers. Mm, I was looking this direct the direction that he's uh, talking about. Just I and this magician. Like, duly noted. <laughs> oh, and uh, Gary. What? Many of the guests get too rowdy. I got here a little bit earlier than you and uh, I slipped my 12 gauge behind the malt liquor. You know that was completely unnecessary. There's a 12 gauge over there on that bar. I have a... What era was this? The post-World War II? Uh, Post-World mm -hmm. War One, mm -hmm. 1930s. Yeah, so we're currently in 1935. I'm thinking Revolvers shit. were most common for handguns. No, no, no. I'm thinking I'm, not, I'm thinking revolvers. I was thinking something else. I was like a, not a shoddy, but more of a normal rifle. I'm not, I can't say at one. That's relatively difficult even at the time. Uh, surprisingly at the time, no, because okay. uh, I can't remember his first name, but uh, Garen, the, like, Mr. Garen, the guy that actually uh, had the patent for the M1 Garen. Um, John Garen? The Thank you. Uh, if anybody was going to know it, I knew it'd be you. <laughs> so John Garen, when he, when he got his contract with the army, he still needed to make overhead during the depression. Or no, the M1 Garen didn't come around. I was about to say, yeah, but this is that's for post-World War II. Uh, for post-World War One, Springfield, uh, the 1903 Springfield would have been the most common bolt gun. And then for semi-auto would have been the 35 caliber Remington semi-auto. Uh, the Remington Model 8, I think. Okay, good. Thank you. Look, uh, him over there has got a Remy. That guy over there has got a Springfield. We're well equipped. You know this ain't my first rodeo. Also, is your flask full? It was getting a little on the lot, so I'll just kind of like hand it back to him. Okay, thank you. Here you go. Uh, Sorry, my throat's starting to bother me. Doing <laughs> the voice all the time. Yeah. That uh, voice is hard. Uh, it happens. Drink agua. La agua. Fuck that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, so yeah. as you two are uh, making sure Miles don't do anything suspicious. Oh, I'm not trying to make sure he doesn't do anything suspicious. I'm trying to make sure that's the from mm -hmm. Also noted. Miles, we uh, cut to you as you are finalizing your set. And as you are about to go on stage for your scheduled act, a uh, familiar looking private eye bumps into you as you turn around. And Miles, you tend to kind of keep to yourself for most of the time. But uh, a certain private eye, a one Chris Remington, has you as one of his uh, assets, if you will, when he needs to broker anything from the streets. So as you turn around and you take a look at uh, Chris, you get a sense of, oh boy, what now? Seems like they'll let anybody here now, won't they? I yeah. say that just playfully, just kind of like elbow him. Yeah, they always let in the weirdos, don't they? <sighs> they must, because you're here. Have you been? I was better till you showed up. Oh, now come on. What are you trying to, what are you trying to, what are you trying to get out of me now? What do you need, what do you need now? Why, why are you following me to a party where this is a good gig? Follow you? Oh, come on. Now, did you think that maybe, just maybe, I got invited as well? You? No. I, I'm just kind of reach into one of my breast pockets and pull out the invitation. Guess who got invited too, motherfucker? Ah, I so they are letting weirdos in. What's next? Oh, Fucking elephant oh. here, bearded lady? You know, if I wasn't a com hardened combat killing machine, those words might have hurt. Oh, I just kind of playfully just kind of punch him in the chest. It's like, ah, you know we're good, don't you? Yeah, I know. This is what you really want, don't you? And I pull out like a little flask and hand it to him. <laughs> For uh. a split second, I started to kind of panic, maybe thinking he'd nick my flask. <laughs> now tell me, Miles, you know, I stuff my flask back into my jacket. Now where'd you get hey, your? Hey, that's 
it's mine. <laughs> so what's words on the street, man? We know how it is. Same shit, different Steel, toilets. Steel, nickel, and dime, and all those. Uh, all oh, those, all those, the housewives. Those, and all those housewives are just, just the fucking darnest. Without even trying, I get any, all the money I need for the week. So I'm good. And what money you don't get from them? You take the candies from the babies. I'm assuming. Oh, I don't take the candies from the babies. I don't touch the kids. Kids aren't my thing. Now, douchebags like the guy I saw this morning. That was my thing. Salt and pepper. That yeah. creepy doorman looking motherfucker. Yeah. You met him before? First time I seen him. I thought he was the undertaker. <laughs> I mean, yeah, all he was missing was a nice tux, uh, was a nice little uh, top hat and cross his arms, and that would have been perfect. Uh, I do want to ask you one thing, my As you know, uh, you, you do know uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Spinner, don't you? I got a, I got hired from her. You know how it is with these with these housewives. They always think their, their husbands are trying to skip out. Oh, her. Oh, yeah, I remember her. Yeah, yeah, her, her. Got a visit I from love, her. I love, how, I love how she's worried about her husband when she comes to my house. And you wonder why you had to leave uh, North Carolina. Oh, hey, it's not my fault. She was a little sad, and I know how to talk a woman up. Yeah, sure, talk them up. What? I don't say anything inappropriate to them. It's not my fault. I, I just make slight suggestions. But uh, here's the thing: I might need a couple pairs of eye, extra pair of eyes. If you see oh, what now, spin up. Let me know. If I see that deadbeat, I will gladly let you know. I might even help you bring him in. It might be fun. Me, we'll reward later. Just. Uh, I can't do this number. Do me one favor. Try not to nick too many pucks. I got a oh, lot. I'm, I'm, under, I'm under watch right now, so I couldn't do that even if I tried. Knowing but, you, though, still try. I know Miles. Oh, if you know me, you'd know you should get better watch on your wallet. Uh, as he hands his I, wallet to him. Why do I need uh, Do I need to keep an eye on your wallet? Oh, no. When it's, you should keep an eye on your wallet. Oh, you're getting cheeky today. <laughs> oh, too bad yeah, that's Believe it or not, I got a little bit of rest last night, so I'm feeling a little better than usual. That and uh, gotta kind of act like I'm, I'm I'm enjoying myself these posh parties. Oh my! All right, Chris. Well, I'll see you around. I gotta get ready to get on that. Yeah. Try not uh, try not to bullshit too much. I just kinda... Oh, but, but the bullshit is so sweet. <laughs> You take care of yourselves, Miles. It's good to see. You. I think right, I'm gonna go over and get me a drink. All right, just don't drown like you did last week. Not my fault. Not my fault. You know me. I don't back down. Okay, well, I'm not carrying you home this time. I'm just kind of smack you on the shoulder. Right. Get to work. Bye, lover boy. <laughs> and with this, I start heading over to where Gary and Hank's at. All right, so without any delay, you are with Gary and Hank. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's good to see you. Yes, indeed. Mm. Oh, why are you looking so sour, Hank? I'm at a party with nice folk, and I'm on security. Detail. So you gotta put up that hard front again. Yes. I can respect that. I can respect that. Uh, Mr. Gary, you wouldn't happen to have a good old scotch, would you? Born liquor, most likely. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. But if it's coming from Gary, you know it's the best, though. I grabbed the worst bottle of scotch that I brought. Damn. <laughs> two bottles of this. It's a dick move. Okay, I got you. Pop the bottle. Come on, Gary. Not, not that. The good stuff. That is the good stuff. Put it back. <laughs> you good there, cheeky boy. Keep in mind, we did just come out of a depression. I mean, yeah, that's true. But Gary would have the best of the best this posh. The best of the best of my collection is currently in the madam's uh, private stash. Of course, she would have a and shake. She pays the bill. She does. She does. Well, regardless of whatever the scotch is, I still thank you. Some folks so, nowadays are lucky just to have muscadine. It ain't much better. Mm. <laughs> I try as, to say that as quietly as possible as to Hank, so that way no one else hears. I get out of here. I mean, the door's right over there. Like you and Hank, I'm also working too, so. 
Fantastic. Just keep your eyes on uh, Tall and Shifty over there, will you? Oh, old long fingers? Mm -hmm. <laughs> As the three of you continue to have this conversation, because this party is located outside in one of those nice canopy tents, the lights begin, yeah, dim is still the correct word even in this era. The lights begin to dim a little bit, which kind of signal all the guests to kind of make their way to their seats. As they prepare for tonight's entertainment, Miles, I'm going to let you do this. You step on stage and you you are about to begin your intro and your act. So I'm going to have you run with this one. This is probably going to bite me in the ass later, but how do you introduce your act to these lovely folks? Well, how to do there, ladies, gents, and specials. Um, I'm just a, a poor old boy that was found on the street, you know, in the dirt. But apparently my uh, expertise in the, like I hold a deck of cards in my hand and tap it and one card comes flying out to my other hand. In the arts of deception, they're going to entertain you tonight. And then with another flick, one flies up and back into the hand. So I have one card here now, one card here now. But eventually we'll just see what happens. And then as I stand like this, two more cards fly out. So I have another card here now, another card here now. And I flip the cards over and it's all aces. I hope you in I hope you're entertained by what I do and what I can't. But uh, as the security says, watch it, Perk. Okay, so here's what I would like for you to do, Miles. Let's see how epic this performance is. Please roll me a performance. So, uh, can I ask something? Mm-hmm. Okay, everybody's got their seats and everything. Everybody's watching Miles do his thing, right? Mm -hmm. Can I look around to see if I can find uh, Mr. What's-His-Face, uh, Mr. Spinner? Okay, so we will resolve that after this. So, Miles, what did you get? I got a six out of a six. Okay, so roll again. So it's a total of seven. Okay, that is the magic. You are successful. So, Miles, narrate your uh, trick this time for the lovely folks. Uh, didn't really think of magic tricks. So I take my deck of cards and I spray them out and go, I bet you I can make one card appear on that man's forehead as I point to the bald man in the back by the bar. I can just picture you turn around. What? No, it'd be it'd, it'd be Gary. But um, like, but you just watched me open this deck. You know this is a 52 card deck, huh? Well, I guess we'll see what happens. And I just, just hold this here where they can see it. Click my fingers and everyone starts looking right at Gary's head, right at, right at his forehead and go, oh man, I guess it's not on his forehead. Hey, Barkey, can you, pick up your, can you pick up your glass? No. I think there's something under it. Leave me out of your tricks, Miles. Uh, I'm sorry, bud, but you're already included. Told you. <laughs> I forgot to put it Uh, pick up the card that's underneath the drink. Just toss it. I told you to stay away from my shit. <laughs> but there's the card. I moved it from here all the way across the, the ballroom, all the way to the bar. I hope you enjoyed that. And with that, I just flick the cards up and just kind of like, you know, like a 52 pickup kind of. Mm -hmm. And as the card ball, I'm gone. Just... We'll come back. We'll, we'll come back to that. Meanwhile, uh, Chris. Chris, go ahead and roll me a notice roll for me, please. Okay, notice, yes. Also, uh, no, I don't know if it'll also be investigating what it'll just be noticed. Well, your intention is to see if you can spot Mr. Spinner. Fair enough. So that would fall underneath the notice. That is a six. Okay, and Max is a six on your that die, right? Uh, notice is, yes, D6. All right, roll again. That is a four. Okay, so you have a total of 10. So that is a success with a raise. <laughs> okay, so Chris, this isn't your first rodeo. Most of your clientele when it's not, you know, regular housewives asking for you to find their lost cats and dogs or, you know, some of the smaller things. A lot of these socialites come to you for their more mundane problems. And of course, given how most of them were raised with old money, a lot of them don't necessarily have the uh, interpersonal skills to deal with their own shit. So they come to you with their problems. As you survey this party, 
Miles just finished his set. The audience is in awe and they're giving an applause. As you are narrowing in on the description that Mrs. Spinner gave you, you find an individual matching said uh, description. And just to make sure, you look at the photograph that Mrs. Spinner provided for you. And sure enough, Mr. Spinner is sitting right there, as well as a uh, figure sitting next to him. But uh, with the standing audience giving their ovation to Miles, you don't necessarily see quite right away. You're going to need to get a little closer if you're going to want to see who Mr. Spinner is sitting with. I do just that, but kind of a nonchalant way. I don't want to make a direct beeline. All right. So your intention here is to do so without Mr. Spinner noticing. That kind of falls under you trying to be stealthy. So if you can, please roll a stealth roll for me. Sure. Um, I don't know if I think I have anything under that. Nope. So your dice is going to be a D4. And since you're untrained, once you get your final total, we're going to subtract two from it. Oh, Lord. That is a four. Okay. Roll again. That is a two. Okay. Six minus two gives you barely that minimum of four that you need. <laughs> so you succeeded. Damn, you were so close to failing. That would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the way that I like it is the successes are a lot cool. Failures are a lot cooler because, <laughs> because fail they're funnier. Well, they can be funnier, but no. So you reach that four. So you successfully, as you make your way through the party, you try to use the movements of the other party guests as kind of a cover to try to get a better look at Mr. Spinner's guest who is sitting with him. And you are able to do so to get to a point where still a good distance away, you're able to make out the figure that he is sitting with. Mr. Spinner is sitting with a another gentleman about the same age as him. They're kind of just chatting it up. They are, uh, you know, chilling. They're having a conversation. They're enjoying and delighting in, you know, Gary's finest selection of alcohol. And then as you continue to observe this conversation, <laughs> I need you to make me a notice roll again, please. Uh -oh. <sighs> now would be the part where I fail. That's one. Oh, okay. So this is going to be fun. <laughs> so kind of like most other tabletop RPGs and also if those of you familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, anytime you roll a one is a critical failure. So in Deadlands, we treat rolling a one the same way. So this is your critical failure. So Chris, as you are trying to notice, you see if you can notice any finer details or try to make out what it is that they're talking about. One of the waiters accidentally bumps into you and uh, <laughs> both of you kind of fall to the ground. And Chris, the drinks that the waiter was carrying has now spilt all over the nice suit that you managed to uh, still fit into. But now you just reek of distilled spirits and disappointment as it now cost you extra. the area that you're in with the guests turn around and kind of see what the commotion is, including Mr. Spinner and his guests. So your cover is now blown. This, this could have gone a lot better. Nobody allowed a match. Like to match. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you didn't want me to do this. Be like the combust. It just combusted. It's just like, well, guys, time to make new characters. <laughs> this is where we all die. No, you all no, burned to all. death in a horrible in a horrible accident. The end. OK, new characters. <laughs> Be like, well, guys, that's the end of episode one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I think we are going to Chicago now. 
We need to get out of here, guys. Let's go. Oh, my goodness. Anywho. So, yeah, Chris, your cupboard is blown. Uh, everyone notices, uh, well, at least the area of the guests that you're around notice you, including Mr. Spinner and his guests. Mr. Spinner just kind of looks at your direction, Chris, kind of turns to his guests, says something, and then both of them promptly get up to leave and then start heading towards Madame Delphine's two-story house. I gotta get him. He's part of the job. I guess I just try and go after him. Just, okay, just, so Mr. you're gonna Spinner, follow. Please, just <laughs> wait a moment, please. You're, you're calling is the name? All righty. So no, we'll come no, back. No, no, no. I don't know. Well, I'm going to give you time to think about it. We're going to come back to you in a little bit, bud. <laughs> so, Hank. What all, from where Hank is, what all has he, what all has he seen of this? Because it was a critical failure. Again, being the police officer, uh -huh. you, you, you saw what happened. Oh, okay. But hmm. for you specifically, really quickly, before we continue, please make me a notice roll. Will do. I believe I have a D6 for that. Let me double check, though. Notice. Yep. D6. All right. Uh, that is a two on the die. Not a one, but a two. <laughs> okay. So unfortunately, not a big success, but it wasn't a critical failure. So this is what happens. As you're surveying the scene, your focus is uh, more on following Chris as he's trailing Mr. Spinner uh -huh. and kind of just seeing the aftermath of that. What you uh -huh. fail to notice <laughs> is a young, well, you notice that a young woman brushes up against you. She apologizes. She's in a nice teal dress with a uh, kind of boa wrapped around, draped across her neck and into her arms. She bumps into you and she apologizes before gently making her way past you. When you say boa, do you mean like an actual like 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 a snake, or are you talking like like the feather boa? Feather boa. Okay, I, I just but it has this like you know fake snake head, so it's a snake feather boa with googly eyes. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, no, no. As she as she brushes against me, it's like, oh shit, yeah, how's it going? She uh, stops for a moment. She gives you a nice little one of those little like southern debutante smiles, <laughs> like the pageant smiles. It's just like bless your heart kind of stuff. Uh -huh. She Thank gives you. <laughs> oh, don't well, worry, actually, yeah, I'll be here. I'll be here all night. She gives a little chuckle. She gives you a wink and uh, she makes her way across. Gary, mm, she so. probably just pickpocketed me, didn't she? <laughs> probably. Mm. Check your pockets. I'll give her a head start. <laughs> He's just I mean, she already me. had one. <laughs> I'll check my pockets. That booty too fine. That booty too fine. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> All right, you check your pockets. I mean, well, first you check your holster. Yeah. So, so holster, the check it for the pocket watch, check it for my wallet. I have a request. Check for my cigarettes. Okay, I what is it? Can I stole it revolver? That is going to be up to, uh, this is going to be up to Hank if he wants to, but let's resolve this first and yes, then we'll get resolve. to that. Okay. So, so while it's still there, uh, cigarettes are still there. Uh -huh. Your other paraphernalia that is underneath your equipment for being a police officer, standard stuff is there. Okay. Except for your keys to your uh, automobile. My brother is going to be right pissed with me. That's not mine. <laughs> All right. So now as you are taking in this, so I'm going to make you roll. <laughs> I'm going to make you roll for this, Gary, since you're trying trying to take his piece. No, 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 not his piece. Okay, I was just trying to be a playful dick and just steal something after the fact while he's patting himself down and then just hand it back to him. Okay, well. Mikey, Mikey, if I may, I'll let you just, I'll let you have the final say, but for it to be just between me and Gary here, could it be whatever, uh, I guess, stealth for him or whatever uh, correlating skill versus my notice? That's exactly what I was going to do. So you okay, guys are- on. I'll just be quiet. I'll be a good boy. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> I just need to know what I'm rolling. Okay, so. Oh, that's 
six. It's gonna be pickpocket versus notice. Plus three, so nine. That's what you gotta be. <laughs> so that is a critical failure. So Gary. Oh, poor Gary. As you, just for the shits and giggles, you attempt to take Hank's, uh, he's just out of jest. Hank, without even breaking eye contact, looking into the uh, crowd, just with his hand, grabs you <laughs> and just stops you. And he, again, still not breaking eye contact, surveying the crowd, just shakes his head no. <laughs> and promptly lets your wrist go. Fine. And I'm my fault you get distracted by pretty women. It's a weakness. It's a weakness, Gary. It really is. I know. I'm just poorly morose over it. Oh my goodness. I'm still staring at it. I'm still staring, ain't I? You're still staring, yeah. Oh, shame. As Miles just pops out of nowhere. <laughs> all right, now really guard your wallet. <laughs> all right, all right. Back to business. So we cut back to you, Chris, as you are following Mr. Spinner in the house. So the house is not as crowded as the outside, but there's still quite a few groups of people kind of just hanging out. As you make your way through the front door of Madame Delphine's house, you notice that there's a couple people kind of just chilling. Someone horribly playing the piano in the front room. People on the couches kind of just oh, giving that little haughty laugh. It's like, oh, like the type that bougie Rick folks tend to do. It's like, Bleh. <laughs> and as you make your way through the crowd, I'm not going to make you roll for it because this is going to be fun. You notice Mr. Spinner and his uh, compatriot make their way upstairs into one of the bedrooms. First, I'm not saying this. I'm just thinking it. Another waiter hears more, uh, spills more booze on me. I'm going to shoot somebody. Anywho, factory. Uh, you said I've I, I seen them go upstairs and into another uh, into another room. Yes. Really, the only thing I can do is follow them. See if I can hear them through the door. I don't know. I don't know if that would be that or if that would be investigating because I'm trying to listen in and what's going on. I'm going to say stealth because you're trying to eavesdrop. Investigation is more of you physically examining a person, place, or object. So I will say this counts as stealth. And that was D4. I grabbed D6 like an idiot. <laughs> Jumanji. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that didn't count. Sure, that was 20 was days one. ago you were supposed to say that. <laughs> That's a two. That's great. Uh, so it's not a failure. Um. So the door is kind of like half closed, Chris. It and was the critical Failure. It wasn't a critical failure, but as you try to lean up against the door, you can start to hear them talking. Now, you try as stealthily as possible, are able to, <laughs> as you're trying to stealthily as possible, get closer to eavesdrop. Unfortunately, you take one step too many and your knee kind of gently pushes the door open, but they slightly... I quickly tried to hide back behind the wall like, oh. As you hide up against the wall, Mr. Spinner's compatriot comes out of the room, looks to his left, sees nothing, looks to his right, and sees you kind of up against the wall. And before you get a chance, ah, perfect, just the man I wanted to see, grabs you and pulls you into the room. Oh shit, that was a thought. I'd say that, that was a thought. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> So, Chris, you get pulled into the room. So you're standing in front of Mr. Spinner, who is looking at you, and his young compatriot, who is excitedly looking at you. Ah, Mr. Spinner, uh, I've heard of this man. He, uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, this is Detective P.I. Uh, Mr. Remington, how would you like to be introduced? Uh, well, officially, I'm a private actor. For formalities, you could just refer to me as uh, Mr. Remington, or, you know, to lighten the mood, you could just call me Christopher. Uh, I think I'll go with the former. Um, uh, this is Mr. Remington. I, uh, a lot of my... 
my uh, friends have gone to him in the past and his case rate of solving them is pretty high. So I think he can help me out. Of course, I'm gonna need a loan since uh, a certain someone has me cut off from the family fortune, but uh, that's another story for another day. Mr. Spinner looks at you, Chris. So you're Mr. Remington. I must say, I'm kinda surprised by your uh, appearance. Mm. My God, man, you smell like booze. Have you been drinking on the job? You remember that loud crash in the ballroom? I yeah, do indeed. bumped into me. And I say that, I try to straighten up as I can, even though my tie and my shirt and jacket's probably just so now, I still try to tidy up a little bit. <laughs> okay, you do that effortlessly as best as you can. Still smelling a little bit of booze, but you know, what are you gonna do? It is what it is. Mr. Spinner gets a little bit closer to you. I'm kind of in the more uncomfortable, hey, you're kind of in my personal space kind of way. Like, whoa, hey, bubble, bubble. He eyes you up and down. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he looks at you and says, I have a job for you, Mr. Remington. Out of sheer curiosity, Mr. Spinner, what might that be? I want to ask you to help me find a missing person for young Mr. Bordeaux over here. Another missing person, Spinner? Uh, Mr. Bordeaux, if you would kindly explain to Mr. Remington the details, and that way we can get this all pleasantries out of the way. Uh, certainly, Mr. Spinner. Yeah, I kind of need a little bit of investigative help. I'm looking for my girl, and uh, I can't seem to find her. I haven't had any contact with her in the last couple of days. Um, she was supposed to be here tonight, in fact, to, not to brag, but she has one of the finer voices in all of New Orleans, but no one has seemed to seen her tonight, and I'm starting to get a little worried. Oh, um, maybe it would help if I give you a description. Description would definitely help, sir. So. Oh, certainly. Uh, let me see. And out of his vest pocket, pulls out a photo. Um, he, I kind of know her routine a little bit, so usually when she performs at this big thing, she usually puts on her performance dress. It's a nicely teal little number with the feather boa. I don't, don't ask me why she likes the boa, but you know, I don't question it. But well, you know, some women, they like, they like the feathery things. What a lovely oh yeah, name. most certainly. Yeah, and it's the fitting of an angel as her. But yeah, I need some help. I came to this party because I thought she would be here. But I haven't seen her since. Uh, if you're willing, at the behest of Mr. Spinner, I would like to hire you to help me find her. Very well. Now, um, I'm sure you're aware that I do require partial payment up front in case of any, uh, hang on, the word escaped me. Uh, oh, shoot, I don't know the word. Uh, when you had to purchase something while on the job. Like a finder's expenses. fee kind of thing? Or <laughs> expenses? Yeah, expense. Yeah. Now, I do require a certain, uh, certain payment up front for expenses. Before you get a chance to finish anything else, Mr. Spinner directly just kind of pushes an envelope to your chest and he says, you get 40% right now. Anything more, you're going to need to solve the case first. 40? Sir, I, I usually only charge about 20 cents. You must really want this one back. Well, anything for Mr. Bordeaux. I'm like, well, I can see why you want her fan. With, mm. with respect, sir. Mr. Spinner looks at you, Chris. Mm. Respect received. He kind of lets you hold on to the envelope. Mr. Bordeaux, if you are finished with Chris, I believe we let Mr. Remington get to uh, his job. Uh, yes, Mr. Spinner. Uh, thank you kindly, Mr. Remington. Uh, as might I Mr. interject for just a moment? Uh, I just want to ask one question just to start the investigation off. Uh, what would you say your certainly. relation is with your woman? Has things been a little rocky? Has uh, things been going smooth? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, every relationship has their ups and downs, but uh, we're kind of in a rough patch right now, but uh, nothing that we can't handle. I certainly get started on this investigation, Mr. Bordeaux. And yeah. it, was, it was a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> uh, certainly. Uh, thank you, Mr. Remington. And at this point, Mr. Bordeaux kindly just bows and leaves, leaving you and Mr. Spinner in the room. Mr. Spinner walks past you, Chris, stops for a brief moment and looks at you. Now, I don't have to tell you this, but remember, things aren't as always as they seem. You're gonna need your wits about you to mm, complete this case. By the way, I think you're gonna need a little help from your friends outside. And as he begins walking away, oh, and also tell Mrs. Spinner I said, hey.
okay and to let her know that I will be home as soon as I can. Just walks away down the stairs and be getting lost into the sea of crowd on the first floor. Okay, where anything else happens, just out of sheer curiosity, I look at the envelope and I want to see how much this 40% was. Because like usual fees, it's usually about 20, at most 25%. Okay. I'm just curious. Okay, so as you take a look at the envelope, you open it up and quite frankly, you are a little caught off guard because your normal finder's fee of the 20% is mm, what? Usually 60, 80 bucks? Something like that. Take that and Mr. Spinner has quadrupled that. So you're looking at like 300 to $400 <laughs> as the finder's fee. Counting this out, I do a very quick, <clears throat> try to straighten up my tie again. Rest for the weary. And I start to put that envelope in my coat pocket and I room uh, remember that it's soaking wet. So I'll look around, see if I find anything to use as a handkerchief. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So currently you're still on the second floor in the house. So uh, where do you want to go, Chris? I want to go and look for Hank. I, want, I actually want to see if I can find my three compatriots here kind of mustered together if possible because I need to talk to them. Hank is currently okay. looking for his brother's car keys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. So Chris, you just for the sake of it, Gary hasn't gone anywhere because uh, of course he's, got he's, out, he's out here serving drinks and Miles is nearby too. Hank, we cut to you. <laughs> so you have, you're on about a five minute break from your host and you're searching for this, uh, you're searching for your brother's car. Car keys. Well, the car keys at least. So your first instinct is to go to where you park the car to see if uh -huh. it's still there. Uh -huh. uh, it's gone. Oh, really? Oh, mm -hmm. I hope he had insurance. <laughs> I'll just kind of put out a heavy sigh, pull out a cigarette, light it, just start kind of like start moseying my way back to the party because there's nothing I can do about it now already gone there's nothing i can do about tonight so i'm just trying to start moseying myself back towards the party just kind of singing to myself as says your touch may be sweet as the purest sugar cane but your pleasure and your gains is my pain so hank because i love that little impromptu uh sesh you got going on i am going to give you what we call in this game a benny oh. so oh. a benny a benny acts kind of like inspiration from dungeons and dragons the difference is is with the benny they mostly primarily are used to re-roll a die, except mm -hmm. if you critical fail, you cannot use a Benny on a critical fail. Or okay. when we get to it later in combat, you can spend a Benny to soak damage. So you take less damage when you get hit. Mm, okay. So you have one Benny. And as you're walking back to the party, just because I like that, as you take a step, you feel something underneath your foot. Look, uh, take a step back, look under where my foot was. There is a small flyer that kind of got crumpled as you stepped on it. But as you pick it up and you examine it, it is a flyer for one of the local jazz bars around here known as the Cat's Cradle. Mm, okay. And as you kind of take a look at it, you flip it over to the backside and you notice something odd. I swear to God, there's a lipstick stain on it. How'd you know? But Noir there's trope. also, of course, but there's also a note mm -hmm. above the lipstick stain. It says, cat, it says, meet me 20 minutes. <coughs> I need your help. <coughs> 20 minutes of the cat. How far is the Cat's Cradle from where we're at? Mm, this is about 10 minutes away. Like, madam, <laughs> Madame Delphine's house, while it's on the bayou, it's like one of those like still next to like mm -hmm. major city areas kind of. So she says she's on the bayou, but it's like a house that's just near like a body of water. But because mm -hmm. she's rich, she tells people it's on the bayou when it's just more maybe closely related to a river per se. Mm -hmm. But it's about a 10 minute drive. 
to the cat's cradle on foot. It's going to take a little bit longer, but it's at this point that the familiar looking uh, salt and pepper grade man in his suit approaches you, uh, Hank, and says, my, my, seems we have a little admirer. It appears so, and she's got peculiar taste. <laughs> Most certainly. Though I am quite interested what someone like you, well, you must have did something right if you caught little Miss Fabiana's eye. Fabiana? <laughs> yes. That the, some local car thief? Well, her morals may be skewed, more or less. And he pulls out from his pocket a little newspaper article. She's one of the premier jazz singers here in New Orleans. So, but I'm mm. interested. What would she want to do with someone like you, Hank? Fast women that like fast cars. You know what they say. <laughs> oh, don't I know. Mm. And as good old Conrad kind of just puts his arm around you and gently taps one of your vest pockets, he says, I think you're going to need this. And then just begin slowly walking off back to the party. All right. Check my breast pocket. You find a set of keys. Now, obviously, these aren't the car keys to your brother's car, but they are a set of keys. <laughs> just start looking around. It's like, OK, I'm actually going to go back to Gary on this one. OK, so as you make your oh, way back to Gary, <laughs> so as you make your way back to Gary, uh, cut off is not the word, but you cross paths with Chris, incidentally. Ah, Mr. Remington, Mr. seems a, uh, a smoke break was uh, You could call it that. See, got a little distracted by a uh, pretty young thing, and she seemed to have swat my brother's cockies. <laughs> Didn't your brother just get that car? Mm -hmm. well, you know me, I'll try and do what I can to help you get your car. Or your brother's car. But I'm oh, going to help with something. This is on you, but I do, I do have an inkling of where we need to go to find it. I just got to check with my pal Gary about something. And I guess me and Hank are starting to walk back towards uh, Gary and his bar. As okay. we walk out, Hank, I hate using this term, but I need a favor. Don't we all? I just got hired onto a new case, believe it or not. And I think I'm going to need your help with this. And another was It was uh, another chap. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Bordeaux, I believe was his name. Uh, his girl apparently was supposed to be here. Oh, actually. And I pull out a picture and I hand him the picture. Does this look remotely like the chick that bumped into me? This is exactly the chick that bumped into you. Oh. I don't like that look, Hank. You said a pretty young thing nicked your brother, your brother's keys. This is her, isn't it? That's the one. I know them eyes anywhere. You know, I, I still kind of envy you, Hank. At least it was a pretty young thing that bumped into you and not some clumsy waiter with a bunch of boots. I wasn't going to question your appearance or your smell, but things tend to get a little out of hand at these parties. You know how it is. Sam, you know I don't do too well at these posh crowds or even crowds in general. The social gatherings are never your thing. No, they're not. I have my reasons, but... We all do. What do you say we go find Gary and leave him gonna say this, but we also might need Miles' help. Did I don't like that look. As mm. Miles just pops out of nowhere. <laughs> you, keep doing that. you keep doing that. I'm gonna slap cuffs on your wrist so I know where you are. Oh, shut up, Snoopa. Miles, gonna need your Snoopa help. Snoopa being the term for detective. I'm aware. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Just... <laughs> no, what I'm saying this is like, I understand where he's coming from, so I was just like, okay, I got you. I like that. Do you mind helping me out with uh, the case this time? Not just little who's who, what's what. I actually need your help on a case. You want this little old grifter to help you want a case? There's a pretty girl involved. Just quick with her hands. I'm a, just because I'm a pervert does not mean I'm that much of a pervert. Let me see the girl. I show, I show him the picture. God I'll damn it. Say <laughs> I'll say again, she's quick with her hands. Oh, quick. As Gary just comes into frame at this point. Damn it. Extremely. Sometimes oh, everyone's favorite peddler. I slap the car keys on the on the counter. <clears throat> Garrett, would you happen to know what type of vehicle this would go to? My friend. <laughs> 
Let him roll. Okay, so since you are rolling, I got a three. I'm gonna get general information. Can I assist his roll? <laughs> sure. So, you know what? Because you are assisting, I will say that you get a plus one, so that bumps you up to the four you need. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. As some random drunk guy walks past us. Remind me. I'm, I'm gonna talk a little less. My throat is very sore. <laughs> no, if you'd stop drinking all that booze and drink more tea, it might be okay. No one wants to hear a pain oh. voice. Anyway, here's what I know about the keys. <laughs> Alrighty. <sighs> So, again, Gary, just due to uh, your line of work and all that kind of stuff that you're involved with, you get a glimpse of some of the more finer things if uh, you catch my drift. So, just from the make and model of these keys, <laughs> you notice that these particular set of keys belong to a Marmon Model 79. So, just give me a sec. I will post this image right now into the commentary. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Mm -hmm. I'm so, yeah. so, those set of keys belong to a 1930 Marmon Model 79. And Hank, who gave you these keys? The salt and pepper gentleman that's been walking around. Okay. That greased up sucker? Oh, man. <laughs> when he says that, I just kind of elbow him in the rib. He can afford a car like this. Is it him that affords the car or his mistress that affords the car? Uh, who cares? But you should be getting on our way, though, if we're going to make our rendezvous with a little share that bumped into me and swiped my brother's keys. I forgot to write down the name. What was her name? So... Fabiana or something like that? Yeah, by exchanging information, it's not that difficult to put two and two together. So the person that ran into Hank and the one that you're looking to look for, Chris, is Fabiana. And then obviously you guys share the information that Conrad gave and as well as what Mr. Bordeaux told you that she is a up and coming jazz singer who seems to be making waves in New Orleans, but also tends to have a little bit of a bad side, a bad girl side to her as well with her uh, Ooh, choice of extracurricular. The Phantom Femme Fatale. You don't know that. <laughs> Love a girl with daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Damn it all. <laughs> hey, dude, you you basically just you described what we were I don't want to hear. You know yeah, what we were I know. Getting. And plus, I know who, what, who this group is, so I was like, mm -hmm. I, can, I can't be surprised. But anyways, so you have a car, you got the information, and you have a location. So question, I'm assuming y'all are going to the car now. Yes. Well, now here comes the important question. Who's driving? From Miracle, did somebody leave a spare set of clothes in the truck? <laughs> Shotgun. <laughs> no, Chris. Unfortunately, there's no clothes in the car. I do, oh, have, a, I I do have a D6 in driving. I do have a D6 in driving. Okay, so it's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one, was no one was speaking up. And I was it was like, either me or you. Like, you said, I have a D6. I'm like, yes, I have a D6 as well. Oh, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hear that enough from my girlfriend, okay? I don't need that here. Oh my God. <laughs> I okay, shoot you so... in the balls once, and this is what how I get. Yes. <laughs> well, that's a five. I figure out why Gary hates me so much. <laughs> he doesn't hate Gary you. Okay, that's true. Alright, so with so five. So I mean that is a success. <laughs> Hank again. Not your first rodeo. First time driving this model, but eh, it's all they're all built the same at this point. So <laughs> I kind of rolled the windows down, try to <laughs> air, out. <laughs> air it out. <laughs> oh my goodness. I told you not to drink tonight. Not to drink. You Believe it or not, I didn't drink any. There was that klutz waiter. Sure, you still sound like it. Yeah, how long have you known me? You know, I always long enough to know you, you were drunk. I just kind of give smack him in the back of the head. Whack. Keep that up, Snoop. Okay. Keep it up. Oh my goodness. He didn't do nothing. I went over it, Hank. <laughs> so easy enough. Hank, you're able to tra traverse the streets of New Orleans. Of course, obviously still following the traffic laws because you <laughs> need to make sure you're still on the clock. Uh -huh. But but with an, uh, enough time to spare, you make your way to the cat's cradle. So all of you know the cat's cradle of all... 
<laughs> of all of the jazz clubs in New Orleans, the Cat's Cradle is probably the most prominent one. It's where all the greats have come and performed and all the new young upstarts get their career started and go on to bigger and better things. And as the two of you, well, not two of you, sorry, as the four of you, my bad, make your way in front of the Cat's Cradle, you notice that the door is slightly ajar. Yes, Hank? Uh, quick thing. I know I didn't mention it beforehand, but I did grab the 12 gauge pump action shotgun from behind the bar through in the trunk of the car. Okay, duly noted. So you pick that up. Alright, it's, it's 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 staying in the car for now. <laughs> for now. For now. For now. Alrighty. Okay, but the front door is ajar? Yeah, front door is slightly ajar. Important question. Are yes. my clothes dry now? Yeah, they're dry. You still smell, but they're dry now, at least. I mean, hey, at least at least I'm dry. Okay. <laughs> but yes, the door is ajar. And from what you could tell, the lights are somewhat lit inside. Don't like that. I'm now reaching into the trunk and pulling out both gauge, and I'm a circle round back. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, so Hank, that's what you're doing. I, I just want to kind of pull out my 45 slot and barely move the slide back, see if a round is chambered into my 45. Okay, duly noted. Miles, you have a question? Um, Have I heard of the Cat's Cradle before? Like, do I know the kind of people that walk in and out of it? Yes. Like, well, you know that a good bunch of people walk in and out, but if you want more specifics, I want you to roll me a streetwise roll. And that's a four. Okay, success. And is that the max that you get on that or no? Yeah. Okay, roll again. So remember, exploding dice mechanic. That's another four. Keep going. A total of nine. Okay, so four forward, one, and then are you trained in Streetwise? I have a D4 in Streetwise. Okay, so no penalty, so that is a nine. So that is a success with the raise. Miles, you know that the Cat's Cradle, or at least on the surface, is a legit jazz bar, but because you like hang out in the back alleys and more of the uh, better understanding of the four when it comes to how the nightlife in New Orleans actually works, you know that a lot of these legit jazz bars are fronts, or, mm, how do we say? Various activities? Uh, more mobster activities. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. I was gonna say, uh, Hank said he was moving around back with the big gate. I was gonna say I was gonna go with them because me and him's got, I I'm guessing we're both got skills in shooting, but then I thought about it. If it came to the point where me and him had to sneak, I am reeking of all, so it's probably best if I go in through the door. Okay, so Hank's going around back. <laughs> Chris, you're going around front. Miles and uh, <laughs> Gary, what are you two doing? Well, I'm gonna go around back because if I walk in front again, I'm gonna get kicked out like I did last time. What'd you do last time? Uh, you never mind. Well, I don't want to know. It's me. That's why I don't want to know. I will warn you though that um, I don't. I don't like. It's not because they threw me on my face. Just don't like. It's not always the nicest. Anyways, I guess the only thing we got left is to head on in. Question mark. <laughs> okay. So just for the sake of it, I'm gonna say that you guys at the same time enter through the front and the back. And as the four of you enter in, you see. Fabiana, obviously, but you also see another female figure. This one is wearing a traditional kind of like black and white uh, flapper dress with the headband and feather piece hanging out. And as the four of you make your way in, before they get a chance to react, four of you notice that they are holding each other's hand. And as you take a look in the sink, Fabiana looks at you four and with a fearful look in her eyes, she tells you, you must not say a word about this. If he finds out, both of our lives are at stake here. I don't see why Terrell's holding hands. It's a bad thing, but uh, okay. And kind of a hushed tone, I just kind of reply back with, 
if who finds out? Fabiana looks at this female figure and before she gets a chance to say anything more, this female figure kind of just gives Fabiana one of those it's okay motions on her shoulder and just nods. This female figure states and says, my father cannot find out about this. He's very tradition. Unfortunately, when you have a name as mine, it tends to uh, make people afraid of who they're getting involved. Do I know who she's talking about? Like who her father is? Is that the same question you were about to ask, Hank? No. <laughs> what was your question? From, from where the back entrance was, where would I be in this building in respect to the two females? I will say that, okay, so let's say that these three entered through the front. The back is kind of like, there's a little bit of a door next to the stage area, so these two girls are in front of the stage area sitting at one of the tables, and you've come into kind of slightly to the back left border mm -hmm. near the stage, so it's kind of like the back door to the alleyway kind of scenario going on. I was about to say, do they even know I'm there? Yeah, I will say that as you both came, as you came in on both fronts, they both looked at the front and the back door, so they, they know all four of you are in. Okay, duly noted. Okay, and to answer your question, um, Chris, the underworld of New Orleans and dangerous people. Uh, Mikey, your audio and video cut super hard. Okay, that was just him? Okay, I was like, what the hell? Oh, yeah, that was on Mikey's end. Okay, um, exit phone. Discord and then hop right back in. Okay, I'll be right back. Yep. I was like, he stopped talking. Oh, man, I'm getting sleepy. No, Discord on his end went full potato. I'm a okay. potato. Am I back? <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Back. Yeah, your frame rate okay. dropped like to like two FPS. Lame. All right, here we go. So edit point, start back at the top. Chris, the underworld of New Orleans is a very dark and dangerous place. And while most of your cases involve the socialites, you've had few, few interactions with the underbelly of New Orleans. And whether it is a good thing or a bad thing in this case, you know who this woman is. This is Lily Broussard. She is the daughter of the Broussard crime family. And you know that when it comes to his family, Mr. Broussard will do whatever it takes to make sure that he keeps them safe. Oh, wait, did you say Broussard? <laughs> oh, Starts to walk out. And as you attempt to walk out, Miles, you bump into, eh, let's say about a group of uh, four large muscular individuals. The four Seeing of you. <laughs> Go for it. Seeing that, I whip around and <clears throat> shotgun at the ready at the back. Okay. As you turn around, four more goons are at the back door. And what seems to be the leader of the goon squad here walks up to you all and says, Mr. Broussard would like a word with all of you. And with that, we're going to end tonight's episode episode right there. <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys. Woo. I feel, uh, can I just say y'all are some, y'all are stellar. <laughs> So, is, is it okay if I wrote two girls, one mobster? No! no. Damn it! <laughs> no, no, no. It's two girls, one clam. Ah, I can't get mad because no, you guys wait, were no, nice enough. No, no, It's two girls, one cop. Uh, <laughs> I can't get mad because you guys were nice enough to not keep going <laughs> when the story was going. So, I'm going to let you have that one. But, yeah, you guys, that was, that was phenomenal. You guys are rock stars and I love you. Uh, so, yeah. So, next time you guys are gonna meet with <laughs> mr broussard see what the head mobster has in store for you guys to all my listeners out there thank you so much for tuning in to the first official episode of red harvest a deadlands noir actual play podcast
podcast. Will our lovable losers survive their encounter with the mob? Well, probably you're going to, eh, who knows? But you're going to have to come back and tune into next episode to see how it all plays out. But here at the D&D Vibe Tribe Productions, as always, remember every there, one out there. Take care of each other, love one another, and as always, let the good times roll. See you next time. And don't forget, tip your waitress. And make sure they don't spill alcohol on you. Yeah. <laughs> drink lots of water and get plenty of sleep. That too. Love y'all. <laughs>